Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 89 of the North Meet South web podcast. Hey, everyone. How are you out there in user listener land? So good to see you, hear you, be with you. Glad you're still listening, all of you faithful followers. All of you. All 10 of you. All of the above. We finally hit double digits. We finally got to 10. We did. We finally got to 10, folks. We were at episode 89, so 90 next, and then we're going to hit 100 this year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's wild that we've managed to stick at it. Um, obviously, our, let's, ca- let's go cadence back to the roots here. our cadence slowed down a little yeah, bit. It did. It used to be... So, back when your name was like Adaktio Wadawadawada Yatsu <laughs> something, whatever it was. Yeah. I have no idea what it was. What was it? Ayatsutti. Ayatsutti. I still don't know. Still don't know what that was. I could never pronounce it or remember it. And you changed it on the advice of Matt Stauffer, which mm-hmm. thank you, Matt. Very good advice. But you had a package out there, a nullable strings package that I was a big fan of and used all the time. And somehow met you on Twitter, like, hey, dude, like this is a great package. Way to go. Nice job. This is awesome. I use it all the time. They should really pull this into core, which they eventually did. But we became fast friends on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, hey, mate, I'm going to be coming to Laracon this year. We should do a podcast before I get there. Like, sounds like a great idea. Let's definitely do that. And the first episode, it was terrible i was nervous which is so funny <laughs> yeah it is funny going back and listening now and uh oh I, do, I can't do it i can't do it going back i think we talked about like sandy metz uh ref- I, I can't remember what it was mm. I, I don't know what it was i have to go back and listen but it's anyway. funny i've like you know going back to the episode with the the little blue snowball that i had at the time and yeah remembering how yep. how great it we thought it sounded and then listening oh, yeah. to the recording and going, actually, that's not quite so good. Professional. And, uh, the the room <laughs> echo and all of that. And now, you know, oh, man. we're still driven the got... same nonsense, but uh, we're doing it with better yep. quality equipment. <laughs> exactly. We're convincing people that we know what we're talking about just because of the sound equipment. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're not actually fooled, but yeah, those are the days back then. Yep. And then that was back when we actually got to hang out at least once a once a year. Mm. And uh, now it's been a while. And so yeah. we got to hang out. Children and, and coronaviruses and, yeah. uh, yep. you know, all kinds yep. of wild stuff. Life. So life. Yeah. 14 life. and a half, half hour time differences. Yep. Yeah. So new jobs, be, all sorts of craziness. New jobs. Yeah. That was that was this week. Started on, on Monday and. I'm I'm one week into it, and uh, I actually got to write some code on Friday. Nice, amongst awesome. I did I did end up having to do tech support this week, which was which was fun. <laughs> they they I started on Monday. They oh, wanted to go man. through training and stuff, and then have me on the phones by sort of mid Thursday, and by mid Tuesday mm-hmm. I was already on the phones, kind of making stuff up as I went along. Because number one, I haven't done tech support for about ten years, twelve years now, maybe more. When did I? 2006, 14, 15 years. It's been a while since I've done okay. any okay. tech support and certainly not for this this type of stuff. Um, so I'm working for a, a voice provider now. So before I was working for an internet provider, now I'm work, working for a voice provider. So I have no experience. A little in, bit different. Yeah, no experience yeah. In, in voice at all. And so just... It was, and by voice you mean like phone? Is it a phone provider? Yeah, voice voice over IP. Yeah. So okay. we do okay. hosted sure. um, PBX systems and things like that. Um, virtual fax, SMS. Think, think, um, you know, like a Nexmo or a or a or a Twilio, Twilio but like a like yeah, a sure. smaller scale kind of thing. So they've been around for 10, 12 years, but um, you know, focused within Australia, and they're a much smaller team. You know, they don't have the the weight of uh, a vonage behind them like like Nexmo does. Sure, right, so right. but it's yeah, you yeah. know it's it's a good bootstrap business, you know, just ticking along, keeping their customers happy. It's um it's wild how how efficient they are on the phones and and tickets and stuff. And every time I open a support really? ticket to Ooh, look man, at it, someone else is in actually. there straight away. And every time 
um, a call comes in and I get myself ready to take it. Someone's, you know, we were trying to, I was, I was like having people kind of teaching me the the ropes and things like that at the beginning of the week. And so they're like, okay, here comes the call. So I'm going to answer the call and oh, it's gone. Someone else has picked it up kind of thing. You know, by the time they'd explained what they wanted, wanted me to do and, and, and you know, that kind right. of stuff. Someone you're else gonna, you're going to press the number eight here and mm. then that's going to, oh, and the, okay. Yep. All right. Well, next one. Never mind. Yeah, all right. Now right. we're going to press the number eight. Oh, and yeah. all right. All right. We'll get the next one. When the next one comes in, I'm pressing the number eight. I'm not going to explain it to you. Eight. Boom. There we yeah, go. That's okay. Right. Now we're on yep. the call. Yeah, so it's gotcha. you know the other the other person that that I was learning from would answer the call, and then we've got this call spying feature, so I can drop in on the call, so nice. that sure. the person that I'm spying on can hear me, and they and you know we can yep. we can talk to each other, um, but the the person that called in can't hear me; they can only only hear the agent. So that was a good way to sort of like you know do the screen share, see what they were saying, hear what they were saying, and then you know half a day later I was on the phones doing the same thing, and and. You know, I think it's being older and more experienced, you know, you don't really get nervous on the phone as much. You kind of, you introduce yourself, you say, where are you, you know, where have you called, who you are, how can I help you? And then they tell you and they're, and then suddenly you don't know what you're talking about. And uh, you just say, well, I've just started working here two days ago. So you just have to bear with me. And after that, it's pretty much just working your way through it. Um, Take support. For sure. And tech people, support are, in, people are pretty patient when it comes to yeah. that, yeah. Um, but tech support in in this sort of limited period of time has has kind of been. Let me just Google that for you. <laughs> there's yep. been yep, there's yep. been a, that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, I don't really know how to do this. It's like, well, if you go to our, our website and you search for this in the knowledge base, you will find the answers to all of it. And and do most they have of pretty it, good docs. Yeah, they've they've got really comprehensive great. documentation across of all of the stuff. So uh, there, there's a big push, you know, from this business to to make sure that we're solving customer issues on the first call so that they're not calling back, so they're not tying, tying up support, so yeah, they're yeah. not, you know, so that they're getting a, a really good experience. And so a lot of that stems from having documentation. And a lot of the customers are pretty well trained. So when they call up the, because we're a phone provider, you know, the, the phone system hooks into our CRM. And so when you pull up the account, it will verify the customer yeah. based on the call that you are on at that moment. So if the the if you called me from a number that was on your account, it would let me into your account straight away because the the understanding is that if you're calling like from a number that's listed on the account, that you are authorized to see that account. And if you're not, then the customer has to log into their portal and they give you like a two-factor auth code. So they have customer like a five-digit di- number, yeah, sure, five number that is randomized every time they go in there. And so they have to read it out and then I have to type it in. And then as long as the two numbers match up, then I can get in into the account and, and things like that. So yeah, there's there's a, a Oh, big... so like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So like you can't just barge into their account without their authorization Correct. either. That's right. Yeah. So, nice. you know, there's so a you lot of... you can give them any information even if you wanted to. No. There's nothing you can do. It's yeah, like, if they... hey man, listen, I can't help you out. Correct. If they say, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this extension or, you know, this number's not whatever. If, if they're not logged into their customer portal and able to give me that, verification code i can't even see their account so i just have, look That's you have smart to call because back. it prevents you from being social engineered right like you can't get like you know hey well yeah i was on the account of like my boss and like he authorized this for me and like i talked to jenny last week and yeah. she told me that i could whatever oh okay let me just get in for you okay okay that makes sense yeah like, they can't do that they actually have to have authorization yeah so that's uh you know that's, that's really nice but there's a big push you know for automation to to help customers out to, you know, all that kind of stuff. There is that the, um, the UI looks a bit dated, but it is functional. Bootstrap? It's fairly, it's not, no, it's not bootstrap. It's, um, I don't yeah, know, it just, it's just refreshing. Yeah. It's, um, I guess it's fairly custom. I haven't seen any of the code beyond what I've seen in the browser. So I was not allowed yeah, to, I'm like, I'm pretty forgiving of UI. Like even, I don't know if it's just straight bootstrap, it makes me want to puke, but if yeah. it's not like, if it's like something custom, even if it looks worse than Bootstrap, almost, mm. I'm semi okay with it. I guess I don't know. I don't know why this like big aversion to Bootstrap. Now, to be fair, like we use Bootstrap in a lot of our old mm. stuff too, but it's like a fairly customized version of Bootstrap. But like just like straight up plain Bootstrap makes me ill. Like when people just like slap that on, yeah, it. come on, like you didn't even try, didn't at even all. try. Like I mean, at all. The dream of Bootstrap was always that here is just scaffolding and going, you know, and and there are good 
well-designed bootstrap sites out there, but the, the trouble is most people, like it was used by developers to just quickly spin something up and then it yep. never got past that. So you would, and because it provided you so much out of the box, you know, it was always the same forms, the same buttons, the same, and you could tell as soon as you saw a bootstrap yep. site, the same nav bar, right? So um, yep. no, this yep. is this is all, you know, custom. It's not not a, a default thing, but it, it looks a bit, like it's not beautiful by any stretch, but it's not ugly either, and, and it's functional, and it's and it's fairly intuitive. So customers can get in and and find their way around things, and everything kind of works. the The problem with the PBX is there's so many different ways to achieve the same outcome. So you could have yeah, you could have an IVR like an automated attendant. Press one for this, press two for that, press three for that. Yeah, yep, and then yep. you could put a time switch in front of that. That like from nine a.m. till five p.m. you hit the IVR, and from five p.m. until nine a.m. Then you go to the out of hours voicemail, or there's or there's ring groups which are different. Again, you know, you take two or three agents and you put them into a ring group, and and you could direct the number directly to that group, which goes outside of the IVR. And and I did actually have one customer, I think on Thursday or Friday, they're like, you know, have you got a document with a high level overview of everything that you can do? I'm like, well, depends on what you're trying to achieve because there's no one way to to do this kind of stuff, which means that. If you're trying to achieve a certain thing, there might be three different ways of doing it. There might be the, At least, the, the best yeah. way to do it, but yeah. And then one of the other agents sent me like a, a mind map of all of the different support stuff and it's just like a spider web of <laughs> infinite possibilities essentially. So That's interesting. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of stuff. But um, That's, for the most part, like people just actually... want either an IVR or they just want their phone to ring three three different um you know handsets at the business like they don't they don't need an ivr it's just a small business they've got three phones and when you call you know 1800 my business they want all three of those phones to ring and someone will answer it yeah so we've got like a pretty complex so we are in the midst of switching phone systems which is interesting that you're just kind of like coming into this yeah. job because what you're talking about this ivr has been the biggest headache in the switch for us we have mm-hmm. rather complicated inbound rules and so it's sort of like, I think the flow that we have right now is it rings. And the first thing it does is it checks to see if we're open or not. If we're not open, like it checks to see like, number one, is it within business hours or is it a holiday that we've marked as a, as a day mm-hmm. that we're out of office? Yeah. And if it is, then it transfers it straight to voicemail. If it's, uh, if, I'm sorry, if we're closed, then it transfers it straight to voicemail. If we're open, then it tries to do a lookup, right? So it says, look at the phone number, see if it matches any of the files in our contacts. And then if it is, try and find the group that that contact is listed with and then direct that to that transfer group, right? And then that rings a bunch of people, whoever picks it up first kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't match, then it drops them into a phone tree where it says, you know, here's the, you know, an IVR, basically what you're talking about. Press one for this, press two for that, press three for that. Yeah. But at the same time, it also has to listen for multi-digit extensions because somebody could be entering like yeah. a four-digit extension, like 3199. Yep. If they have to 3199, then you have to ignore the three because they're not trying to dial three on the phone tree. They're trying to dial the extension. So you have to like pause for a second. It almost reminds me of how like with touch devices on mobile, mm-hmm. like there's that little delay because they're trying to see if you're double tapping or are you tapping and dragging or if, what are you doing, right? So you can, it's like, you can't just like take that first digit press. You have to like take the digit press and then wait for like a second. Yeah. And then are they pressing more digits? No. Okay. Then direct them. Mm-hmm. So it's quite complicated. There's, there's a lot of stuff. And then it's like, how do you transfer to voicemails? Well, you can transfer to voicemail. You can't transfer to a voicemail if somebody isn't available on that, that line. And no, it's a mess. It's yeah. a mess. There's yeah. a lot of stuff. So anyway, pretty much with ours, what we had to do is we basically had to say, okay, here's the flow chart. Can you build this for us? We will pay you to build this for us. And then their team's like, yes, we'll build that for you. Yeah. Like, well, you know, we have the ability to kind of like drag and drop and edit and whatever, whatever. But like you're saying, there's so many different ways mm-hmm. to accomplish. So like you get on the phone with them, they're like, okay, well, you could do that, but this is how you'd want to do that. And it's like, I don't understand any of that. Yeah. Can you just do it? So yeah, it gets pretty, you get pretty deep in the weeds pretty quick on that stuff. Yeah. So the, I mean, the, the good thing about being able to like directly hook into the customer that's calling is once you pull up their account, you can log into their customer portal. And so it's very easy to step them through. So you ask them, you know, are you in the customer portal? We're going to step through it all. And then you can go and see exactly what they're seeing and guide them through it. A lot of it is sort of directing them and, and holding their hand through the customer portal so they get the feel for it so that they can use that in future yeah. and, and 
sort of self self uh, self serve, which is the whole the whole point of having the system there in place right. is to self serve. And then um, in some scenarios, that's not possible. So we've got TeamViewer, and we can do the remote support on their machines, so they can see what we're stepping them through. And then we kind of yeah. gently nudge them towards the support guides. And it's like if you need help with this specifically, there's documentation here. So it's it's it was a, a good experience. I was I was hesitant to do it, but at the same time I kind of understood why. And I think as a developer, even even a senior developer, even someone that's been programming for a long time, going into a service business like that and sitting on the phones and and working with actual customers, it helps you to get an understanding of the business, of the kinds of customers that you have attract, you know, that kind of stuff, as well as seeing firsthand what the customers are seeing with, you know, our customer portal, but also what our staff are seeing with our internal CRM and sort of understanding, I guess, the the pain points that they might experience or the things that they see. When you log into this thing, it's essentially everything on, on one page. So it's the customer details, then it's the customer contacts, like in one column, and then in the middle column, there's the phone numbers, the plans that they've got, like the subscriptions that they've got, all of the, you know, all of this stuff is just all in one screen. There's no tabs, there's no panels, there's no, like, it's just all there. Yeah. And so my first thought was, well, I get that if you wanted to see something, you could just like scroll, but at the same time, what is the stuff that you're going to be looking at most often? And let's think about servicing that to the top. Like the customer details should be yeah. front and center. There's um, and there's not really any any view. Like there's no show endpoint here. This is it's all just a giant collection of edit forms, like all on one page, and they will just post somewhere. It's all Ajax, if if that's any consolation. Like <laughs> each <laughs> each sort of it section like of refresh the page. The page no, every time. Yeah, yeah, so it all all kind of does that. There's um, yeah. It's it. It was. I know. It was it's good. like there's it's, actually like some of those things. Like there's actually value in that. Like instead of having to navigate like five panels and then mm-hmm. like find the thing and then update it, it's like, I know it's like sort of. It seems, it seems to go against like my sensibilities of like no, these should be organized in their boxes. And it's mm-hmm. like sometimes, but other times it's just way more efficient to just have it there. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah, but I think like to your point of like what you're saying of like getting on the phone, or whatever, you're spot on with that. Like it keeps you even as like the senior developer, it keeps you with like your finger on the pulse of like what's actually happening. Because at the end of the day, like you can make all the fr- pretty fancy stuff you want, but if you're actually not serving the needs of either your customer or your internal client, you know your internal customers, which are yeah. your your uh, employees, then mm-hmm. you're kind of wasting time, right? I know yeah. that um, a good example of this was the the president of our company when he was still kind of in the office and stuff the last couple of years, he's sort of been out a little bit, but he's enjoying like early retirement pretty much. But he would come in and like a couple of times a week, he would go take his laptop and he'd go sit on the collection floor and he would take phone calls. Mm-hmm. Like the president of the company would take the phone calls because like he started it from the ground up, right? Like he initially was the person doing that, right? So he would go sit down there with those people. He would listen to the people who were on the phones, their talk off, like how are they doing to get money? Like, they could listen to him, how he was talking off money or whatever, right? Like it was, it was really cool. So like he was the president, but he could still do the job, right? So number one, yeah. it like gained him a lot of respect because like the people who were there were like, wow, this guy can still do the job that we're doing. And he was relatable. And like he could then take what he's learning and what he's hearing from the people who he's talking to on the phone or the people who he's hearing on the our floor talking to people on the phone mm-hmm. and, um, you know, make adjustments. So yeah. it was, I think... It does a lot of stuff. Like you're going to be able to meet the people who you're servicing right away, like your team members. You know, you're going to get a feel for what are the common problems that people on the phone that are calling in are having. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Like I can't think of a, really a better way to kind of jump right in and mm-hmm. kind of get your feet wet with the business. So, yeah. kudos for your for the people who are in management. That I think it's a smart move. Yeah, yeah, it's good being a, a small business because everyone's really tight knit. Um, it's, yeah. well, I say it's everyone's tight knit. Obviously I am based a two and a half ish hour flight, two and a half plus an hour and a half or so of driving. Um, if I go, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to get up there to meet everyone. It's a, it's a bit tricky to leave poor Rhiannon at home. Where with, is it up? What, uh, uh, so they're in Toowoomba, which is about an hour and a half west of 
Brisbane, which is in Queensland. Queensland. That's yep. what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I wanted to know what Australian state it was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To say the name of the sound again. Toowoomba. 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 That's a fun name. T O W O M B A. Toowoomba. T O W O O M B A. It's fun. It's even fun to spell. That's like, that's like Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. It's like it's like a fun thing you learn when you're a kid, and Toowoomba is probably the same in Australia. Yeah, T-O-O-W-O-O-M-B-A. Wow. Yeah, there's a weird um, one. <laughs> up in up in the sort of northern areas, the northeastern parts of Australia. There's some fun names. There's like, yeah, um, are those like know, Aboriginal names? I I believe so. Gosh, I don't want to speak out of turn, but yeah, I believe Toowoomba is. There's like places like Mawoolumbar, and which I won't even try and spell. <laughs> Uh, that reminds me of Wisconsin. I went to college up in Wisconsin, and there's all sorts of crazy names up there, and then mm. they're all uh, Native American names, like tribes and stuff. Yeah, um, so like Milwaukee, Waukesha. Those are the ones. Those are the two that come to mind. Waukesha. That was a weird one. Waukesha. But Milwaukee, like everybody knows the name Milwaukee, but like it is a weird, is an odd name. Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sheboygan. Uh, Sheboygan. Yeah, there's some funny ones. Like it's it's funny when you say that, like. When I, I used to see, you know, Arkansas, and it's like Arkansas. Nope, nope, it's yeah, Arkansas. Exactly. Like, I'm not <laughs> convinced. I showed I'm not Graham a meme the other day about that. It's like, why is this Kansas and this is not Arkansas? Yeah, America, explain. <laughs> why is this? Why is this? Why is this Arkansas? But this is Kansas. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So hey, dude, I'm glad to hear the job is going well. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't didn't do any program until until Friday, and it was kind of like programming around still answering the phone. So it was like maximum levels of interruption, which is fun. I am um, my yeah, task. Yeah. My task was to build a application to monitor SSL certificate expiration. If that that hmm. uh, sounds Ooh, like something, and you're like, I know a program yeah. that does this. Actually. I'm like, why don't we just use this number of them? And uh, it was like, no, no, just build it. So. Uh, I built it and then I was yelled at for not just having like a single index.php file that did everything. I'm like, no way. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Well, you could have just done, done this like, with this one file. They were like, this is too file. complicated. Yeah. I, I was sent a screenshot of a Windows Explorer showing how many files were inside my app directory. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so funny. Yeah. That is really funny. So like, are they like, you know what, like... You just brought way too much boilerplate to this thing. It was a really simple problem you could have solved with, with just PHP. Yeah, just probably. solve it with PHP. Probably, yeah. Is that what put? Is that what we're saying? Like, is that kind of their idea? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I mean, it's interesting because like I, that's never my approach really anymore. Like my yeah. approach right now is just anything spin up a Laravel app. It's like okay, but I mean, mm-hmm. they may be right. Maybe that is a little bit sometimes depending yeah. on the problem, right? So like, yeah. do you really need to have a whole install like that you have to upgrade every time that there's a Laravel upgrade or you have package dependence? Yeah. You know, all that stuff. I don't know. I'm Maybe like, did you did you want me to spend a day figuring out how to fetch and parse an SSL certificate or a TLS certificate? Or did you want me to just build a complete application that you could add a site to and it would just do all of that and then it would schedule a check every day? So this is this is kind of the balance. And like, I totally get it. That you That's and totally I, fair, though. That, that you what and you're I, saying is fair, too. That you and I and, and, you know, most of us as Laravel developers, or even, not even as Laravel developers, but as modern PHP developers, we would almost always reach for Composer. And and whether it's, 100%. Whether it's Laravel or whether it's just a plain PHP package, we would almost always reach for that. We would compose a create project, we would get in it, and we would go from there and we would pull in some package to do the thing yep. that we need to do. 100%. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know... Because the code has already been written. The code People has already, already been written. Yeah, and I don't, I don't need to, as I said, I don't need to go and figure out how to, you know, fetch a URL. And you know what this does? The, this sparsy package, of course, that I used was to... What does it do? It's a URL. Like, the URL is an object. I mean, I think Freak's out of control here doing all of this stuff, but then it just like downloads the certificate using, <laughs> I don't know, what does it use? Get certificates, this fetch certificate. Let's just dive some code here. New URL, get host name. Then it does a stream context create and creates a stream socket client and connects using SSL to a thing. And then it fetches from the socket. So like... I mean, I guess I could have figured that out, but then, you know, I'm writing all of this. Right. I mean, like for what? It's totally. 200, it's 200 lines of PHP, but I could figure it out 
um, eventually, and then then I've got to go and parse it all out, and all, or I could just pull in this package. And the thing is, this is only looking at the certificate. Um, it doesn't look at like the certificate chain and making sure that all the intermediaries are valid and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, I'm sure. And it's, also, again, like, how do you add a new one? Like, yeah. Well, if, do you want an interface or do you want the, whoever's adding them to just literally chuck them in a new database yeah. and then like you have no type protection or anything like that on that? Like, mm. there's no validation rules when mm. you're just chucking it into a database. So somebody screws it all up and now it can't run because the third one is wrong. So mm. all the ones after that are wrong. You know what I mean? It's like. Whatever. It's just all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, as I said, I totally so. get it. The perspective of, you know, why pull pull it all in. But I think we are far enough down the road that we wouldn't do it. Like if you're using Java, you wouldn't you wouldn't write most of this stuff. There'd be something or Ruby, you'd pull in a gem to do it, or 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 JavaScript, you'd pull in sixteen hundred different NPM packages, or, or Python, you'd pull in something, you know, with pip. Yeah. It's we're far enough down the road where these things are all efficient. And the, the fact that you've got 10,000 files or whatever just sitting there. Most of them are not being used. If they're not being used, then they're not being loaded. Disk space is cheap. Hard drives are fast. Um, file Developer time is, is the most expensive thing that you're going to Correct. pay for. Correct. Much, right? So, yeah. you know, if I can knock this whole thing out in, in a couple of hours, then I guess is that cheap. is the trade-off then. That's sort of like the explanation, right? Is it's like, okay, well, what's cheaper, right? To make it so that the developer time is a day as opposed to a week mm-hmm. or you know what I mean I guess that there is ongoing maintenance costs because whatever Laravel but also there is also the fact that you will be able to maintain it future moving forward because of Laravel right and composer so yeah you know it is it is what it is yeah Interesting. So that went well, though. So did you use like Nova or anything in the back end to give you a quick admin UI or just... No, it's literally a... Livewire? Literally or? just a Livewire component. Nice. I used, I used Livewire. That. Yeah, grab that, fetch it, dispatch a job to fetch the certificate immediately, fire an event back to update the index list. And uh, yeah, Bob's your mother's brother. Worked uh, worked well. It looks Bob's nice. Mother. Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. The, uh, um, the trickiest part was getting the the modal. That like when you click on it, it shows the most recent check details for the mm-hmm. certificate. Yeah. Um, Did you do Alpine with that? Yep. Yep. Used Alpine. Uh, used Entangle. I'm still trying to figure that me, out. It took me a little while for it to click that if you use the at like the Entangle Blade directive, that you don't uh-huh. have to then interface with Livewire like for a modal to show and hide it. You just have like a in your X data object, you'd have open equals at entangle shown, right? Or visible or whatever your your property is. And then is in your on. live wire component, you just put shown true or false? Yep. So you default that property in your live wire component to false. And then... Right. Okay. And then, well, in this instance, probably didn't even need to use... Um, probably didn't even need to use live wire, but you can entangle. And so from then on, all of your manipulation... For that shown variable can just be with Alpine on the data object. So instead of like dollar wire dot set shown false, shown comma false, you could just update the JavaScript property shown. That would happen in the browser. And once that happens, then Alpine would handle sending the the post back to Livewire to then up to you know synchronize the state with the with the back end. So that's that was yeah, the entangle nice. basically allows you to either update it from the PHP side or the JavaScript side, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're updating it from the PHP side, like Livewire side, like yeah, you would if that's the only spot you're updating it, then yeah. you wouldn't need to use entangle. But if you're updating it ever on the JavaScript side, which what I would assume is that you may end up closing it on the JavaScript side before yeah. you know, like it's sort of be faster. So it happens quicker, yeah. Otherwise, you've got to send the post and then wait for it. Like you could, yeah. you could forego the Alpine wrap it in like a dollar wire dot toggle and it would send a post and it would update and then you could just add an if dollar shown in your blade component and like that would work it's probably rather than having both things it's probably a bit nicer i suppose yeah it's funny like i'm still trying to um one of our developers i'm i'm trying to kind of get him on the live wire train i'm like hey this is awesome like what you did here is really really good Mm -hmm. this is great however just as like a aside here i noticed that you have a controller with invoke because there's only one thing that's happening here. And you have a route that points to that controller with invoke that's just only doing one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have a view over here, and it's using a form, which is then passing to that single action controller, right? Like it's 
and that's all fine. It all works great. Yeah. And your tests are good and that's fine. Like you're you're doing it exactly correct. It's it's not a problem. But you could get rid of that route. You could get rid of that single action controller. You could get rid of that other thing. You could get rid of that view. You could get rid of that form. You could do all of that with this little thing here. Yeah. That's it. You don't yeah. have to write anything. All of that stuff is just all encapsulated in this one little live wire component. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, cool, great. I love that. And then I went back and looked at this code later and he was still using the form. <laughs> He was still using the form for some reason. I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to use the form. You just say like on click, like dot prevent and then submit, mm-hmm. right? And then you have an action or a method called submit. I'm like, oh, that's even better. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's amazing. Like that's, yeah. that's the whole thing. Like it's so nice to just be freed up from ever having to write any of that boilerplate stuff again. It's great. The one thing I have noticed, tests are good. Like tests are great. That's fine. When I get an error in Sentry, it's immensely harder to trace that to figure out exactly where that's coming from or what's happening. Mm. If I see it in like Sentry and it's like traditional controller route, whatever, whatever, and maybe it's just because I'm not used to it. Maybe I'm just not used to reading the Livewire ones yet. Like I don't know where to look for it. Like it's in some payload data thing, thing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's difficult for me to find what's happening. So yeah. like I just saw it the other day like, Next action is not defined. I'm like, I know I'm I know that's mine. Next action is mine, but I don't know where to tell where it's getting missed. I can't mm-hmm. I can't find it. Like it's just somewhere in there. So I'm still working on that part. That's the only part I'm complaining about so far, though. Everything yeah. else seems great, but that one is a little bit weird. And maybe I just need to talk to Caleb mm-hmm. about that. But uh, it almost feels like it almost feels like when you're trying to debug like a JavaScript thing without source maps. It's kind of what it feels like. Like there's an error in this line. It's like, well, that's a really freaking long line. Yeah. Like if I just had a source map that pointed exactly to the spot, like that would be mm-hmm. great. And that's what I feel like with Livewire. I'm like, I don't know exactly where that's happening. Like yeah. give me a line number. You yeah. know what I mean? So mm, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 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 Hey, um, I had do have a couple other things I wanted to talk about today. Sure. Uh so again, congrats on the new job. Really stoked for you. Glad that things are going well. Yeah. We are at 32, so I've got a couple options um, to talk about. But before we do that, I wanted to tell you one thing. I uh, got working a couple days ago. Uh, just was, Actually, I think it was yesterday. It was just for like a fun little thing. Got a Raspberry Pi 4 mm-hmm. and set up Pi Hole on my local network. Do you know what Pi Hole is? I do. I use Pi Hole. It is very handy. Do you? Yeah. Awesome. I think you, you know what? You might have been one of the first people to talk to me about it. Possibly. Or maybe I re- mentioned it to you and you were like, oh, yeah, we have that. Mm. So, um, yeah, I set it up yesterday and it was really fun, actually. So, uh, got the Raspberry Pi up and then, you know, set a static IP for it. And I'm realizing, I'm, I'm realizing now that I need to take like a networking class. There is a lot of stuff I don't know. Like, I know what DHCP is, I know what DNS is, but like, Layer one, layer two, layer three, like switches, different sorts of stuff like that. Like subnets, don't know what that stuff is. Like mm-hmm. VLANs, don't know what yeah, that stuff yeah. is. And like, it's not like you need to know that it, as in like in the world of like a developer necessarily. That's more like a sysadmin sort of deal, right? Mm-hmm. A DevOps stuff maybe. But I'm interested and I want to know more about it because I just feel like I've run into it a couple of times and I'm just, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, do you have a lot of experience with that or much experience with that? Like, do you think you could sort of like fumble your way through questions about those sorts of things or are you sort of in the same spot as me? Um, uh, possibly a little bit ahead of you in terms of that kind of stuff. Like I get the majority of it only sort of by happenstance because I worked for internet providers for so long and, and around oh, sure. network yeah. engineers and things like that. So I know very conceptually and at a high level about that kind of stuff and I would know where to go to sort of figure things out but I wouldn't be able to explain it, teach it, recall it without Google and that kind of stuff. VLANs are probably more complicated than what you need for a home situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. In most instances. A lot of like the the pie hole thing, I've just got it running on my, um, my Nook as a Docker container and I just use that. I point all of my... What is a Nook? Is that like... What is that? It's it's an Intel Nook. It's like a little PC. Like it's the size oh, of, okay. of uh, like an Apple TV. It's basically that size, right? Cool. And um, yeah. So it's got like a, a a proper Intel CPU in it, and it's got like 
you know, I've, and I've had that for a while, but I just run Docker containers on that. So I've got different things running on there, but PyHole is one of them. And so I just tell my router, when you give out a DHCP lease, that the DNS server should point to the PyHole and the PyHole then handles yep. DNS for my whole network. And then that then upstreams exactly to my internet provider. Yep. Um, but, I have it, uh, right. I have mine upstreaming to uh, like 1.1.1.1, like Cloudflare's DNS. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been cool. So like I noticed like, so I've had of all of the queries in the last, which I've got 29 clients on my home network, which is insane. Like I can't imagine I have 29 clients. Like I need to go look at what all those are. But I've had almost 26,000 requests in the last mm-hmm. day and 9% of those have been blocked. The one thing that I love is that on my Roku TV, when I go over where their ads normally would be. Now there's nothing. Yeah, no ads. Which is amazing. Like there was always such ridiculous ads on there. It's like, dude, this is my TV. Like we quit Mm -hmm. pushing ads in there already, please. Like, and they're just ridiculous. Like stuff that like really wasn't appropriate for my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like creepy stuff on there sometimes, like Halloween time, like vampires and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like three-year-olds, like just trying to watch Disney Plus. You know, it's like, or like my 600 pound life or something like that. Like some person with like no shirt on like okay like my kids are like what in the world yeah. is going on on this tv the biggest so, the biggest anyway. issue that we had with the pie hole is that it stops a lot of the in-game ads in like the freemium ads mm-hmm. and oh sure re re came to me pretty quickly after i set pie hole up and she's like <laughs> i don't get the ads what's happening with my games yeah and like she would watch the ads because you can get, get like free coins and stuff free right? coins yeah, and yeah. stuff so she'd be like hey without those ads i can't get free coins and i'm like okay but it was funny because I was using Duolingo to learn Polish and I was at the gym one night and I, I was just, you know, cooling down on the, or warming warming down on the treadmill. So I was walking pretty slowly and just thought, oh, I might sneak in a Duolingo here. And I didn't realize <laughs> there were ads in Duolingo until I was on there. I'm like, what is this? Oh, that's so funny. Because it's like you're blocked blocking it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, dude. See, that's I love it. I mean, it's so great. So great. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't like stop cheating. like YouTube ads. So I had to I had to eventually succumb and, and sign up for YouTube premium because Eli watches, we just put whatever on and but the ads are yeah, ridiculous yeah. now. And there there's so many of them. Like when when I'm holding Liv, like she'll have a nap. And so there's anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour and a half where you just like sat there. So I've got the iPad and yeah, I'll, sure. I'll be watching like YouTube videos and things like that. And I got sick of seeing ads for a Chromebook because it was like, no joke, every two minutes there was a Chromebook ad. <laughs> and it was don't you want I'm a like, hey, you want a Chromebook, don't you? I really don't want a Chromebook. There was Chromebook and there was something else. And it was just like the same two ads over and over and over and over again. And I was like, right, that's it. YouTube Premium. You're like, well, I'm either buying a Chromebook or I'm buying YouTube Premium. One of the two. Yeah, either They've way, got me. either way, annoy Google's me so badly. Either way, Google's getting my money. You got, you got it. That's so funny. Alphabet, Alphabet's got my money. So yeah, it's um, it's it's really good. We use it for uh, DNS as well. So I've got it set up such that certain domain names get sent to my uh, Getflix, which is like a. It's a smart D- it's a smart DNS provider, and so that is what I use to like access Hulu and things like that. So I would say, if I have a device on my network trying to go to Hulu.com, instead of using my provider, like my internet provider's DNS, uh-huh. go to this specific IP address, this specific DNS server in the United States, and then Hulu would see me as a subscriber in the United States, and so then I could access Hulu because Hulu is not available Bro. here. So we do. You're a smart man. We See, do that kind of that's stuff what I need. To, that's what I need. To, to send certain traffic See, because, to certain places. Um, I've got uh, like there's one like um, Lowcast. Mm-hmm. Lowcast.org is like um, I, I'm sure you guys have this. Like you have like uh, broadcast over the air television. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. This is a global thing. I'm sure it's not. But like in the United States, I know they made a rule like a while ago or something that they, you had to be able to get like local programming in like hd or something like mm-hmm. that right so they broadcast those over over the air and so you can get like just an antenna and get over the air channels right so you can watch like football games and stuff on fox or cbs or whatever for free mm-hmm. just by using an antenna which yeah. is great but it's annoying to have to have an antenna up right yeah, sometimes yeah. You just want to like stream it and so there's this service called lowcast mm-hmm. which will basically you put in which area you're in and they will let you stream the channels from the over the air channels, whatever, for free, yeah. right? It's a nonprofit. 
Well, now they've started like saying like annoying you every 15 minutes with ads that'll say like, hey, you should buy donate five dollars, which I'm happy to do. It's totally mm-hmm. worth it. But I have to like set my location to be in Chicago because they don't have the like they don't have it yet for Bloomington. Mm-hmm. But Chicago is practically the same channels I would normally get anyway. Yeah. So I just have to like set my location to be Chicago. So I could probably do something similar to that. So instead of like having to spoof my browser to be like, yep, I'm in Chicago, I could probably say if you're using locast.org, you know, use this. And use this proxy basically, yeah, like that. Interesting. That's very cool. Mm. Did not realize that was it was able to do that, but I will look into that. Let's see. Okay, you know what? Also, actually, we are at forty minutes, so I'm going to say maybe two more two more things here. Number one, you do you guys use GitHub at your new place? No, I don't. I don't know. GitLab. I I asked when I wrote this thing. Yes, like I because I wrote it on uh, on my local machine, obviously, using Laravel yeah. Sale for the first time, which was which is nice. Tell me about that again, real quick, because I don't. I've not used that. Can you tell me about that, real quick? Laravel Sale is like the default now, I suppose, installation or development environment for Laravel, and it's a Docker-based one. So it will yes, it will that's it right. pulls in a a Laravel flavored container that's got either PHP seven point four or PHP eight. It's got um, MySQL set up. It's got Redis set up, memcached, and Mailhog, and all of the stuff is just ready to go. And so you hit localhost. Nice. Dude, I love Mailhog. It's um, Mailhog's great. It works very nicely. Um, but yeah, I, so I did all the development locally, and then my boss is like, "All right, send me what you've done." And I'm like, "Where would you like me to git push this to?" And he was like, "Git push email at domain.com." I'm like, <laughs> "All right." So I, I deleted vendor, and oh, I deleted node modules, and I zipped it up, and I sent him the the thing. So I don't know what we're using for git. I assume we're using something. Although they do all of their That's, development on a remote server, so I assume it's probably just like a, a like a bare Git repository on a server somewhere. Dude, you yeah. I mean, maybe you'll be the guy to bring the revolution of mm. Git to them. I mean, because you know, it's it, that's a very easy pitch. I mean, like it to to sell that to somebody. Not the transition wouldn't necessarily mm. be easy, but all all new things totally like GitHub all the way, right? I mean, mm. yeah. Be a conversation I mean, if not, if have. not GitHub, get something like you've got. I mean, like, what are they? I mean, they're using SVN. I mean, like, no, they're using. You they, gotta have they, some they, sort of version control. Sure, they're using Git, but they're not using like GitHub or GitLab. It's literally just a Git over SSH. Like this, this is the Git, like in its truest form that existed before GitHub. So it's, it's literally True, right. Yeah, you would just like I Git SSH at you know over SSH basically. Yeah, and and that's that's fair. I mean, that's that's a legit use of it. Mm. But also, like, I mean, I'm supposing maybe they have you know cloud backups of that server or something like that, which is fine. But you know, it's always like for me, having it in GitHub just feels like it's bulletproof. Like yeah. it's never going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I know that if my house burns down, like I still, and if you know our business gets knocked out by a tornado and whatever or mm-hmm. something, you know, like it's. That code's still at GitHub, replicated across servers in different regions, and blah blah blah. You know, so yeah, there's some there's some reservations around IP and things like that. So we will see. Sure, that makes that's that's fair. Mm. That's fair. Interesting. Okay, but the thing I was going to say about GitHub is, I think they maybe not maybe silently, maybe not so silently, maybe I've just missed the announcement. But uh, I know GitLab has had this for a long time. This ability to auto merge once all the requirements have been uh, fulfilled. So like. Um, you know, must be approved by another developer mm-hmm. who didn't write the code and must have tests passing and must pass the style. It's whatever, whatever right? All that stuff. Because what it's always yeah, been essentially in the past, which has been merge super it, annoying. Merge it once all of the pipelines succeed, essentially, which we've had in you got GitLab. It, exactly yeah, yeah. that. Right, exactly, forever. And so GitHub finally has that now where it's like nice. you can say auto merge and it like click auto merge and then, oh, it's been so nice. It's been so nice. My dog is looking at me. He's he wants to go outside. He is like there's this bell by the back door, and he keeps looking at me like I'm gonna ring it. I'm gonna <laughs> ring it, and he'll go over there and he'll look at it, and then he'll look at me like, "Are you gonna make me ring it? Or are you just gonna let me out?" And so it's gonna be any second now. You'll probably hear ding 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 ding. Gotta ring the bell, dude. Can't let you out without well, the bell. Yeah, he's like the thing is he's been like he's been out like this dog. 
He doesn't go out because he has to do anything. He just wants to go see if there's any squirrels by the back tree. Like that's <laughs> all he wants to do or birds or anything. So like he'll ring the bell and then he's staring out the door and then he gets all crazy and antsy. You open the door and he sprints out there. Yep. There it is. Hear it? Yep. You hear the bell? I heard the bell. Yep. All right. And so he sprints right, out. This so he's Good looking at me like, come on. He sprints at he sprints out the door to go look and see if there's anything out there and then <laughs> walks back and then waits <laughs> at the door like, come on. And the thing is, it's like, you know, it's like three degrees out. So yeah, like it's light and I it's promise cold. you don't want to go out. You yeah. don't want to go out. It's pitch black out there. There's nothing out there. It's three degrees. Everything's sleeping. Quit ringing the bell. I'm going to go let him out. I'll be All back. Right. So that's auto merge on GitHub. There was other things I wanted to talk about, like Kafka. Mm. That's an interesting it's That's an thing. Apache thing, isn't it? Apache Kafka. It is. It is. It's like by Apache, but it's like it's It's the Apache Foundation. Yes, correct. Correct. So that's interesting. I've been looking into that recently. Why would you it's be looking at it? It's almost sort of a... like event sourcing in some ways. Mm. But you can have it's really nice if you have multiple things that all need to be aware of items happening in other things, right? So instead of having to rely on API calls between microservices, you just push them all up to this Kafka thing. And then mm-hmm. these events have subscribers and the subscribers can listen to these, these feeds pretty much. And then they can react when they see different things in the feeds. And so like I said, it's almost, again, it's almost sort of like event sourcing, but it looks really interesting. So that was something I'm interested in talking to you about in the future at some time, at some point. Everything you thing, need to know about Kafka in 10 minutes. There's a video on the yeah, website. I, I watched that. It's really good. That's right. really good. You should watch that. That's a great explanation of it. Mm. Um, so we should talk about that in the future. And then the other thing is uh, SFTP transfers to S3. It's another thing I'm trying to do. Right now, we're like, we have these SFTP files that come down. And it's amazing how many things rely on SFTP. Unbelievable. And thank God for Fly System. That SFTP is a driver. Yeah. Like, oh my word. I don't know what we would do if that wasn't the case. Right now, we have a lot of stuff that downloads from SFTP, gets processed, and then gets pushed to S3. And I'm just sick of it. I just want it to be like a little, I just want it to be like a little, they, they have things that will do this. And actually, S3, like Amazon has a service that will watch these for you. But I just want like a little cloud watcher that will go watch this this SFTP bucket. And as soon as it sees something, it just sucks it over to an S3 bucket. Mm-hmm. The bigger challenge, however, is unzipping a zip that's in S3. That's the bigger thing that I'm working on. Like, how do I do that? And so there is mm. ways to do it. I just got to figure it out. We could stream the zip so. file, I guess. You're so Possibly. smart. You knew. That's exactly what it is. I mean, like, that's the things that I've looked up. You know, there's like limits on like the sizes of files that you can move around yeah. and whatever. But if you stream stuff, it doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't, you never hit a limit. So you already know all of this stuff. You're way ahead of me. Okay. Well, future topics because we're at uh, 50 minutes and I think we should probably wrap this yeah, thing up. Let's wrap it. It's been good talking to you, man. It's just been good, like catching up. It's a good catch up episode, you know? It's been good. Hopefully I'll have some more uh, like actual developer-y type stuff. It's um, it's funny that, you know, we went through this whole thing of being developers and then we both became team leaders and then you went and became even more managery and I became even less managery. So we're back. I'm We've good. I'm glad for you, man. I'm glad that directions. you're not like seriously. And <laughs> you're glad that I'm not a manager. Yeah, great. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'm, I am. I'm glad for you. I think you'll enjoy it more. I think, uh, yeah. It's like, definitely I'm not, been like, nice. Un- I'm not. It's definitely been yeah, nice. Every day this with... week at 4.30, I'm like, see you later. Laptop closed. Leave yep. study. Yep. That is pretty freaking sweet. And like, That's I exactly still, what I... I still talk like because I've known my boss now for my now boss for about three years. So, you know, we still talk out of hours and it's mostly about food. He, uh, he has, uh, he has an Uber eats addiction or just a, like a <laughs> delivered food addiction. doesn't matter what it is. Just anything and everything. Just he, he doesn't cook. I don't think, I don't think he knows how to cook. That's funny. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. You know what you might find? And this might be, this might be interesting because you know, your boss, well, you know, your boss, do you know, like the, the, the head guy, like the top, dude yeah, at yeah. this place yeah so this pretty is decently. this is yeah the, okay the guy that owns the business basically so what you might find is you might find that as you've been at this business over more time you may find that you actually do have a little bit more interest in becoming more managery ish and i think it's like your your willingness to invest in a way outside of just like your preferred comfort zone or like what you like to work on mm. is 
a little bit more if you're if you're more closely tied with the people who run or own the business, mm-hmm. right? Because you feel really good about contributing to their success as well. Mm-hmm. And you know that like, hey, I could be really helpful to the business or to this person if I was to help, to help in this role. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of ha- I kind of had that at my like, last. If you like the business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had that at my last one and and things kind of changed over time, so but I, I definitely enjoyed having the role. It's just that not being able to program, which is still still my passion. Right. Like correct. As of as of right yep. now, yep, yep. I hope that I can program until I retire. And I hope that I can retire some extensive period of time before I die. Because <laughs> that retirement age keeps getting pushed further and further out. Sorry, I had to let that dog in. Stinging yeah. dog. Now he's he's, <laughs> he's happy as a clam, swagging his tail, dragging his bone around now, and he's got mm-hmm. his wet, snowy feet all over my floor. Now he's just looking at me with the bone in his mouth, like, what? You talking about me over here? He's a cute dog. Anyway, yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked for you. I think that you're gonna have a lot of success and and many happy years at this business. I'm, mm. I'm really happy for I'm you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, let's let's wrap it up there. This was episode 89. Thanks so much for sticking with us, folks. You can find show notes for this episode at North Meet South or North South. What is North Meet South Audio? Thank you, North Meet South Audio slash 89. Hit us up on Twitter, Michael Dorinda, Jacob Bennett. If you don't know that by now. And then, uh, of course, rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. That would be amazing. Hmm. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Uh, we are also on the cusp of, I think, grabbing a new sponsor for this coming year. Mm-hmm. So be uh, looking out for that. Beautiful. If you'd like that to be you, you could also hit us up. We're looking, uh, we're, we're happy to entertain offers. So, mm-hmm. In the meantime, be sure to check out thenping.me, your hands-free Schedule task monitoring solution for Laravel. If you use the code NMSPING, you will get 5% off our launch pricing for the first three months. So let me check that out. You can do that at thenping.me. It'll, it is a it is a one-step install. You'll be up and running before you know it, and you will never have to worry about your Laravel schedule tasks going missing again. And if you use code you can get 100% off for life. <laughs> Tune in next time to find out what that code is. <laughs> nice. Nice one. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. All.